Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Christmas at the Movies sermon series. This series uses some of our favorite Christmas movies to gain a deeper understanding of Christmas. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Well, welcome to Valley Brook and week three of our series called Christmas at the Movies. We've been looking at these movies that we've all sort of brought into our lives as part of our Christmas celebrations. And I believe that there's truths in those movies that, that we can look at with regards to humanity, but then we want to bring God's truth in that. So today we're going to be looking at a clip from a recent version of Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol. And now I think we've all probably seen this and we know about Ebenezer Scrooge. Just a reminder, he, he's a bitter miserly old moneylender. He holds everything that embodies the joys and spirit of Christmas in contempt. He keeps to himself. He's nasty to people. And when in the movie, he is visited by his deceased business partner who is suffering in the afterlife because of his greedy ways, he tells Ebenezer Scrooge that he will suffer worse if he doesn't change his ways. He tells him he'll be visited by three spirits in the night to guide him. And and after a long night, Scrooge awakens to find himself in his own bed on Christmas morning. And the three spirits have guided him over the course of a night. And immediately, he sets out to atone for his sins. So we're going to catch up with him right at the end of the movie and how it wraps up as he deals with his employee, Bob Cratchit. So let's watch this. <laughs> A full 16 minutes late. What do you mean by coming here at this time of day? I'm very sorry, sir. I, I am a bit behind in my time. You are indeed. Step in here. Well, it's only once a year, sir. It shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday. Now, I'll tell you what, Mr. Cratchit. I'm not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore... And therefore... I am about to raise your salary. <laughs> merry Christmas to you, Bob. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, Then I've given you in many a year. I'll raise your salary and do whatever I can to help your struggling family. And we'll discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a bowl of Christmas punch. But first, let's make up the fires. I want you to go out and buy another scuttle of coal before you dot another eye, Bob Cratchit. Off with you, Bob. We were saving to do. Hey, Bob! Yeah. Yeah, yes, sir. Right away, sir. And Scrooge was better than his word. He did all that he said he would, and more. And to our tiny Tim, 
who got well, Scrooge was like a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city ever knew. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone! Everybody lived happily ever after, right? You know, that's sort of the way the movies portray everything. You know, and everybody lived happily ever after. But, but we live in a real life, in a real world where that's not always the case. And, and as followers of Jesus Christ, how do we have real life faith in, in a world that wants to make everything end up happily ever after? Well, the truth of the matter is that it's a struggle sometimes. And we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at that from uh, the Gospel of Luke as we look at the life of uh, Mary and how she was called by God to have real life faith. So, you know, just a couple of uh, things that's interesting to me. You know, the story of A Christmas Carol, can, quite honestly, is, is thought-provoking and scary. And, uh, you know, the encounter that we're going to look at with Mary is also thought-provoking and scary. Uh, because she is visited by an angel, uh, the angel Gabriel. And, and uh, we're going to look at this scripture and, and see how we can have real life faith as we look at how she did too and what we can discern from scripture. So we're going to turn to Luke chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start in verse 26 and following. So if you want to follow along, you can, but just listen to these words. They're going to be on the screen behind you too. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Let's talk about real life faith when we have it, when we're high on the mountaintop. So real life faith will have its highs. So here's the deal. God called Mary, he called her highly favored, and he chose her to be the mother of the Savior of the world. So let, let's talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. 
Mary was a normal human being like every one of us. Now, some of us, myself included, would like to think that that God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus because she was special, because she was a, a fully devoted follower of God. Some people like to think that there was something about Mary, maybe her faith, maybe her character, maybe her, uh, the fact that um, she had made a, a life that caught God's attention. After all, why would God choose her out of all the young virgins in the world at that time? People say that because the angel called Mary highly favored, that that there should have been something different about her, that she was extra faithful, extra devout, maybe that she was sinless. But the reality is, Scripture doesn't tell us anything about that. In fact, Scripture doesn't really tell us about Mary's life before we read it here in the Gospel of Luke. Um, We know that Mary was fully human like us, so we know that she wasn't sinless. In fact, Scripture tells us uh, that that she was a normal human being. Some people like to say that she was completely sinless and she never consummated her marriage, that she was eternally a virgin. But Scripture doesn't tell us that. Scripture tells us that after Jesus was born, Joseph and Mary consummated their marriage. And Scripture tells us in both the Gospels of Mark and Luke that that Mary and Joseph had four sons and, and an unnamed number of daughters. So... You know, we see from Scripture that that Mary was a normal human being. But the angel came to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. I mean, think about this. This announcement came to Mary completely out out of the blue. It was an act of grace, of of sheer grace to say, Mary, you're highly favored. Not because of what you did, but I've chosen you. You're highly favored. Sometimes God calls us, and when he calls us, we experience a high like that, that that God says something powerful to our hearts, to our minds. It speaks to us out of Scripture or through the Holy Spirit and and lets us know that, that God desires for us to do something for his kingdom. When we experience that, uh, it's amazing. It's so awesome. We, we, we experience that God wants to work in our lives to use us for his purposes. And, and it's so exciting, particularly when we share it with other people who are followers of Jesus, and, and they concur and they encourage us. And, and that excites us even more. And, and that's what happened to Mary because the angel told her about her cousin Elizabeth who was pregnant with uh, John the Baptist who would be Jesus' cousin. And, and so she goes off to see Elizabeth. Elizabeth confirms that she knows through the power of the Holy Spirit that that the baby in Mary's womb is going to be the Lord of all. And and Mary is is so overjoyed and so excited by this experience, by the words that come from her cousin, that that she records a song. She writes it down. uh, The the Gospel of Luke records that for us to read. And I'm just going to read a snippet of it, but, but you can see how excited she is that she's going to be used by God as he's called her to do something amazing. She writes, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Mary is flying high. 
She's enjoying being called by God. She's enjoying uh, what's going on in her life, that she knows that, that she's part of something bigger. And, and when followers of Jesus Christ understand that God has called them, they experience that high, that, wow, God wants to, to use me in this world, wants to use little old me and my life to do something else. And that's amazing. And we should rejoice in that when we experience that and know that. That's, that's real life faith. And, and it comes with those highs. You know, as a believer, when you realize that God has called you and he calls all of us to be part of his plan, part of his plan to, to bring the good news of Jesus into the world, to, to bring the fullness of the gospel, to, to use us to bring his kingdom on earth, we should be excited. We should be overjoyed. We should be so filled with joy that we realize that God says to us, you are favored. You see, God favors his sons and daughters, not because of who we are and what we do, but because he chooses us. And when you experience that real life experience, you're gonna be overjoyed and excited. That's real life faith in this world. But there are also sometimes some valleys. There are some lows in our real life faith because this world that we live in doesn't always end happily ever after. There are oftentimes struggles. There are challenges for God's faithful people. And sometimes we'll encounter those lows. When Mary said, I am the Lord's servant, may your word to me be fulfilled her real life faith of answering the calling that God was giving her and following God with all of her heart meant that she would go through some highs and some lows. We looked at the highs. Now let's look at the lows. And, and I'm going to turn to a, a woman who has written Tracy Bianchi. She's a pastor and she writes about what the angel's words meant to Mary. The angel was basically saying, Mary, even though you're not married and still a virgin, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. You, an unknown girl from an unknown place, will do this very thing. And Mary, it's going to interrupt your life. It's going to wreck your peace and your sleep and your friendships. And every inch of your world is going to change. You are the one who is going to do this for God. And Mary nods her head in consent and says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary's yes was not a muffled consent that led to a joyful pregnancy filled with adoring friends and sweet baby showers. Mary's yes, her bold yes, led to a life that instantly became a cascade of gossip and drama. Her very decision to say yes was met with disbelief and even the threat of death. In first century Israel, a woman pregnant before a wedding was assumed to be an adulterer. Scott McKnight points out that at this time, if a suspected adulteress maintained her innocence, as Mary would have done, she would have been taken to a public place. 
Her clothing would have been torn. Her hair would have let down, which was what prostitutes, how prostitutes wore their hair at that time. She would be left there to be mocked and open to public humiliation. The cultural expectation of the rest of the inhabitants of, uh, would be that as they passed by, that they would mock her and they would humiliate her. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, we even read that if she had taken, if she was taken to be an adulterer, that she could be stoned to death. So Mary's yes to God came with great risk and great burden and great difficulties that probably took her from that high quickly into the lows. But she didn't give up her faith, her real life faith. While we don't know from Scripture the details of Mary's pregnancy, we can assume that she experienced all of these things I just talked about, that her fears were real, and that she experienced those hardships. And I can imagine that once Jesus had been born, Mary and Joseph wanted to put all those difficult times behind us because, you know, they had gone through some of those things together, and they had experienced the hardness of their culture and of their friends, and even their family. And so, wanting to put it behind them, they go to do what every devout Jewish couple would do. They go to the temple to circumcise their son, to go through the purification rites that have to be done. And as they go to there, they're met by a man. His name is Simeon. He's described in Scripture as being righteous and devout, and, and he asks if he can take the baby in his hands, and he, he's having a, a personal experience knowing that that this is the savior of the world and he says wonderful things about Jesus being the savior of the world that must have made Joseph and Mary marvel and must have touched their hearts and made them just think wow it you know to know this to have it confirmed from somebody else it was all worth what we went through but then Simeon turns to Mary and this is what he says this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. What a prophetic word about Mary's life. I can only imagine that 33 years later, as she stood on a hill and looked at her son hanging on a cross, and felt the piercing of her heart that these words rang in her ears again. She understood. Real life faith, following God and following Jesus, can be hard. Yes, we'll go through mountaintops, and yes, we'll go through valleys low. Here's one of the things that we need to understand. You know, God isn't concerned about our comfort. He's concerned about our character in following him. He desires that we will follow him through highs and lows. God doesn't promise all roses for followers of Jesus, nor does he promise those for people who don't follow him. Life is difficult for all. 
You know, some Christians don't want to accept the fact that we will go through difficulties, but the truth of the matter is, is that God's word tells us. And in fact, many times Jesus taught some things that confirmed that we should expect some lows along with the highs of following him. In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, this is what he said to his disciples. It's what he says to us. Chapter 9, he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Let's look at the important phrases in that Daryl Johnson has, has said this. He said, denying yourself may involve denying things, but this is not what Jesus is getting at. Neither is Jesus saying that you need to deny your self-worth or to deny your feelings. And he's not saying that you should not enjoy following him. Sometimes people say, you know, if you're enjoying following Jesus, something must be wrong. But the truth is, Jesus doesn't deny us happiness. But he says, deny yourself. He also says it doesn't mean denying the intelligence, your brains that God's given you. But here's what to deny yourself means. It means saying no to the God that we believe we are in our lives. Say no that we're in charge of our lives, that, that we're the one that needs to be served, not God Almighty. Denying ourselves means saying, not my will be done, but God, your will be done. Denying ourselves means setting aside our agenda and adopting the agenda of Jesus Christ. That can be challenging. Jesus said, deny yourself, but then he said, take up your cross and follow me. You, you know, think this one through. When Jesus said this in first century Israel the only people who picked up their crosses were people convicted to die on a cross convicted criminals were made to carry their cross to the site of their crucifixion so if you're picking up your cross that means you realize that you've been condemned to die so what's Jesus saying take up your cross and follow me now this is a hard saying because some of us think following Jesus means that we have to to bury all of our dreams and all of our hopes and and all that we desire in life but here's the reality Jesus wants you to let go of your agenda and adopt his agenda. That may, be, may mean that the dreams that you have will be resurrected, but it also means this, that the hopes and dreams of God's kingdom will be fulfilled in your lives. He'll make those hopes and dreams become yours, and they're far better than anything you and I could ever think of. It is a hard saying, but it's also a liberating saying to take up your cross and follow me. You see, the bondage that we experience in life oftentimes is self-made. When we want to be in charge of our lives, when we want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it, instead of trusting that God's way is the best way for us. The final thing that Jesus says 
is lose your life for my sake. Lose your life for my sake. And when he says that, whoever loses their life for me will save it. So here's the paradox. We finally find ourselves when we lose ourselves for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom. How are we going to lose our lives for him? By investing all that we are and all that we have for him and for his gospel. By saying to him, Jesus, here's my house. Here's my money. Here are my talents. Here are my gifts. Here are my passions. Here are my resources, my brain, my heart, my hands, my feet. It's all yours. Use it to glorify yourself and to further your purposes on this earth. Real life faith and following Jesus will have highs and will have lows. And it will be challenging. But here's the hope in all of this. Real life faith will always mean that you have Jesus here with you. When you decide to follow Jesus Christ, when you decide to believe in him, you receive the promise that Jesus gave to his disciples. We read at at the Great Commission at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's a promise, folks. Jesus is always with you. Always. Now some of you are saying, well, you sent him into heaven. How can he be with us? That's because Jesus, the Son, and the Father sent us the Holy Spirit to be God with us for the rest of our lives, to guide us, to direct us, to teach us, to comfort us. You see, God calls us to believe in him and follow him because he favors us. Each and every single one of us, he favors. He wants to fill us with his spirit while we live on this earth, and he wants us to spend eternity with him forever. When God told Mary she was highly favored, it was an act of grace. When, when you recognize that that word, you're highly favored, is for you, not because of anything you've done, it's an act of grace. You are highly favored You and I were favored by God, as one writer writes, before we can decide for or against God, before we could show him how religious we are, before we could ask forgiveness for our first sin, before we were the, ap- we were the apple of our parents' eyes, before the foundation of the world, God favored us. Not because he knew we would blossom into greatness, not because he saw that we would become good Christians someday, not even because when God knew well enough that we would not live up to our potential, he still accepted us. In spite of our failings as human beings, he favored us. God favored Mary. And he called her to follow him. God favors you. And he calls you to follow him. When Mary said yes to God, her yes was powerful. Because she said yes, not knowing what the future meant. But she trusted God 
and said yes, and that was powerful. Let me tell you why it was powerful. There was great power in her yes because Mary knew the story of her people, God's people. She knew the way that God took care of her people. And and as a woman, she even knew that God took care of women also. You know, in the the Gospel of Luke, there's the, uh, the history, the lineage of Jesus, and in it we find the names of women where you don't normally find them in first century Israel. You find their names in place of honor because God took care of them. Women like Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba. So while Mary knew because she was doing what God called her to do, that that this situation was going to be challenging, it may even be dire, she worshiped God because she knew that God cared for her and that he would be with her and that she wouldn't be alone during those first nine months and the rest of her life. She knew this. We need to know, know this. You know, we, we live in a culture that says, you know, everything's supposed to work out. It's supposed to be happily ever after. And that happens a lot in the movies. But life, real life, it can be challenging. There will be highs and there will be lows. There will be challenges. But Jesus has said, listen, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you forever. Folks, as followers of Jesus Christ, we walk with the Spirit of God with us every day to guide us, to teach us, to comfort us, to direct us, to convict us, to redirect us. God is calling you and I to follow him. He's calling us to deny ourselves. He's calling us to take up our cross and to follow him. And he says, you know what? In in losing your life for my sake, you're gonna find it. You're going to find the best life. That's real life faith in this happily ever after world. So, look, I don't know what God's calling is on your life individually, but I know generally he's calling us all to trust in him by faith and and follow him, to be faithful to him. He's calling us to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. Jesus promised that if we believed in him, he would send the Holy Spirit to be with us forever. God called Mary to become the mother of Jesus, to endure the highs and lows. But he called her to be faithful, and she did. So what's God calling you to do? Maybe God's calling you to deal with some stuff in your life. Maybe you, maybe you struggle with abusive anger and, and you take it out on your family, the people that you're supposed to love most. God is calling you to take up your cross and to follow him and deal with that and not be embarrassed to get help, to ask for help. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with an addiction. and you know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's porn. Maybe it's narcotics. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's you're a control freak and you're just addicted to that. God's saying, you need to get help. That's not how I created you to live. I'm calling you to a better life. Maybe you need to talk to not just him, but a counselor or a therapist. 
Maybe you're dealing with severe anxiety or depression and, and it's, it's taking the joy out of your life and it's affecting everybody's life around you. It's time to say, God, I need your help and to take some steps with other believers and therapists to get the help that you need. Maybe your finances are all messed up. Maybe your marriage is all messed up. Maybe your, your most significant other relationship is all messed up. Maybe God's calling you to step out and, and really address these issues and stop living that way. You know, the, the definition of crazy you've heard before, it's doing the same thing over and over and expecting it to be different. It's time to ask God to help you. It's time to let him guide you to a brother or sister in Christ or, or a, a Christian financial counselor or a Christian marriage counselor to, to do what it's take, the hard works, because God didn't create you to live in these messes. Maybe God's got a call in your life to, to, to serve him in a ministry, and it just scares the heck out of you. It may be leave what you know full-time, or it may be letting your full-time work employ you in your part-time volunteer ministry. He's saying, trust me. I gotta say this too. Maybe, maybe you, you're just not sure what Jesus has called to, you to do because you really don't have a relationship with him. Yeah, you come to church, you may go to life group, you may read the Bible, but you just never said, Jesus, I believe in you and I wanna follow you. And you never let this church come around you and shepherd you into walking with Jesus. It's time for us to trust Jesus. To deny the God of self and say, God, I'm going to follow you. To say, God, I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to take this stuff in my life, the good stuff, the bad stuff, that I'm trying to control instead of letting you be in control, and I'm going to lay it at your feet. So it's time for us to talk to God individually about this. And our God can hear us all at the same time. So we're going to move into a time of prayer. I'm going to go silent after I kick off the prayer time, and it's time for you to deal with your stuff calling to make a change for the good, the calling to accept a call to something greater, the call to believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I'm going to let you pray about all those, and I will lead you through a prayer of salvation at the end for anybody who wants to, to make that prayer. And then I'll give you some instructions at the end of that time. So let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Father, as we come into this place, Lord, we are amazed again at Christmas time to recall the fact that you sent your son into the world to be Emmanuel, God in the flesh, to be our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, our prince of peace. Lord, I know that we all come with different issues that we want to pray about, and we're going we're gonna to lay those at your feet, Lord, whatever they are, the burdens that we carry, the fears that we have, the issues that we're struggling with, the faith that is weak. So this is your opportunity just to talk to God, to ask for his power and strength in your life, and to lay it down your control, lay that control down at his feet and say, God, you be in control.
So go ahead and pray. Father, we trust you. We trust that you know better for us than we know for ourselves. We trust you. You are the God of our lives, not us. So Lord, we lay these things at your feet and we ask that you would guide us and direct us. Now for anybody who's never told Jesus that you believe in them, this is your opportunity just to, to say these words. They're, they're just the words of, of acknowledgement of who Jesus is and faith in him. So just pray these silently to the Lord. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus came to earth and died on a cross for me. I believe that his death pays the price for my sins. And now because I believe, I want to follow him all the days of my life. So Father, we commit these prayers of salvation and these prayers of surrender, these prayers of trust, these prayers of letting you be God and letting go of our need to be God in our lives. May your will be done in heaven and on earth and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I release you with a blessing, let me just encourage you to, to connect with one another. If God has moved in your life today and, and you want to pray with somebody after the final blessing, prayer team members will be up here to pray with you. We want to encourage you to, to just reach out and love on people during this Christmas season and, and just let God be God in your life and all these things. So receive the blessing of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.